Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food, or weight, never ever, not even, one time, not ever, ever, ever. Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. So hello, everyone. This is Laura Lee Rourke and the It's Not About Food podcast. And today, the body love card that we're talking about is truth. And the image on the front of the card is the goddess sitting on top of a mountain, a pretty pointy mountain, as a matter of fact. And she's got her sort of sitting in a yoga position, and she's got her hand on her little deer person. And uh, in the back, it says, Truth is our own internal wisdom that defines who we are. Finding our own truth means figuring out the difference between what we've been told we should be versus who we really are. Oftentimes, In the past, our true feelings, passions, opinions, and experiences were ignored, rejected, or just not encouraged. When we can relearn to identify what our own truth is, we are able to put into action what our heart and soul desires. So I just am thinking about this card and how it goes with an eating disorder. And for me, It was very hard to know what was my truth and what was a truth or a thought. So one of my big tools was to say to myself, that's a thought. That might not be true. For instance, my mother was very afraid of bridges. She wouldn't go all over the place to try to not go over a bridge. Who knows why? So I felt like I was afraid of bridges until I was at a certain age that I thought I went over a bridge and I didn't, I wasn't scared of it. And so I thought, well, that was a, that was my mom that was afraid of that. And there were so many of those, like my culture is afraid of this, or my culture tells me this, or my, the church I was born into tells me this, or my mother tells me this, or society tells me this. Is that really my truth? No, it's what I picked up and now live by. And usually it was about fear or anger or, you know, and I feel like we're seeing a lot of that right now, that people are living in fear. That's not really even a fear they even have. It's just something that somebody else had that gave it to them. Like, here, hold this big package of fear while I go do something else. (laughs) You're just left holding the bag, as you will. So I think one of the big parts of my recovery was to really figure out what was my truth, what were my feelings, my opinions, my passions, and then, of course, be able to do those things. And that was very vulnerable. But in order to not have an active eating disorder or not die of alcoholism or drug addiction, I had to, at some point, make a stand and say, no, this is what's right for me. And 
I don't know what's going to happen after this. So today we have a really wonderful person who's going to tell us who she is and what she's doing. And I know of her through an organization that she's much more involved in it than I was, but a beautiful, wonderful organization that she was involved with and that I miss right now during COVID. We're sort of like not doing much, I don't think, not in person anyway. So I'm going to let her talk about that and then what's going on with her and how truth is working in her life. She's going to introduce herself and tell you what she's doing and what's up with her. Thank you so much, Lorley. I was so touched and honored when you asked me to be a guest with you. And I thought, oh, how fun or how wonderful, how nourishing. We're just going to talk. And then when we were talking about truth, I'm like, wow, we're going to see where this takes us. So I am Marcella Raimondo. And uh, like Laura Lee, I am someone who is passionate about this field with eating disorders. Probably why Laura Lee just like, she and I just gravitated to each other. And she says, come on my show. And I was like, absolutely. (laughs) And being in this field, how badly you want liberation for people suffering, how badly you want people to have liberation for their relationship with their body, whatever that means for them, but that they and their body can be at peace and whatever that means from nourishing their bodies to some folks supporting their bodies to transition, thinking of our trans and and non-binary folks and how we support folks, how we support folks in different bodies and how we make space for all kinds of bodies and all kinds of relationships to bodies to exist and how we want liberation with food and that food is this nourishing aspect in our society and that we we use it for nourishment, we use it for growth, we use it to connect and we use it to to bring cultures and, and people together and how politicized food has become on so many levels and that is like just destroy this relationship with food and so I can't help but think like what does truth mean to that? And I loved what you were talking about in terms of what is our truth and how society tells us what our truth is. And we're like, well, what's, what's happening? And we also live in a society It's like, well, if you can't prove it, like where's the science? You can't touch it. You can't put it in a, in a scientific equation. You can't articulate it perfectly with words and doesn't exist. And we're like, well, so many of us in, in this field, and I, I'm thinking too of like so many folks talk about, but our truths are like within us. And they're kind of these feelings and these essences and these energy. We're like, we're figuring it out and we're putting some words and seeing, does this word fit? Does it not? Does this experience fit? Does it not? So our truths are shaping and like, no, can I put a linear mathematical trigonometry equation to it? Like, no, because it doesn't work that way. That's right. And as you're talking, that's one side of the equation. And then you go all the way over to this other side of the equation where people don't want to listen to science or to reality and then go, well, I just don't feel like that. Like, let's just take the mask issue. <laughs> like there's science about the mask and then there's people who say, I'm not going to wear a mask because I just don't feel like wearing it. And it's, we need to like 
remember that there's a middle way, maybe, of the mass means that you're keeping yourself and other people safe in this time of COVID, but it doesn't mean that you're a sheeple, <laughs> as they call them now. You're not a rebel and you're not a sheeple. You're just wearing a mask when you're around other people, and that's okay. So we get these ideas in the society that we live in that are so polarized, and especially around the body, especially around the woman's body. Well, you should be thin, but not too thin. You should be curvy, but not too curvy. You should be intuitively eating, but only really good food and organic food and locally sourced food. And you should know that chicken that laid that egg or don't eat it. So then that creates a whole other eating disorder. And so much of it is about body hatred, that you're not okay no matter what happens. So I wonder if you can talk a little bit about how to make that stand of that, wait a minute, this is the body that I have. The truth is that this is what I look like, what I weigh, and this is what I eat, and it's going to be okay because I'm listening to a deeper part than what is uh, available out there in the world right now, what diet we're all supposed to be on. Yeah, it seemed like, wow, COVID comes, we're in the middle of something really uncertain and unknown, and we're immediately attaching diet culture to that and, and, and using cheeky, offensive terms like, don't gain COVID-19, ha, ha, ha. I'm like, yes. wow. Yeah. And what does that say for people who are in larger bodies and navigate? It's like a one more slap, but also one more blame. Like, oh, so you're in a larger body. You're probably, you're probably making COVID even worse, aren't you? And it's like, wow. We just continue to politicize larger bodies, marginalized bodies. What we were saying just with our brown and black communities that there were higher prevalences of COVID. And, and I can't help but wonder if there was blame that, that came with that. Of course, yeah. of course. Or an idea of, well, it's only happening to those people, so we're not going to really worry about it. Sort of like the only thing I can equate this with is the start of the AIDS crisis when, oh, well, it's only affecting those people, so we're not going to really worry about it until it started to affect everybody. And that's what's happening, but we're still behind the curve on it. Let me just speak for myself. Everything that was wrong with me in my whole life was because my body was not okay. That's what I thought. So if it just could change my body, I'd be okay. And if I could become more curvy, oh, wait, that's too curvy, or more thin, oh, wait, that's too thin, or more, I don't know, whatever. (laughs) You know, just constantly not liking where I was. Right. And just kind of, you could find a word like, right, it's pressure, it's enforced, it's criminalizing, if I, if I, if I say that. You're not like, oh, I don't feel good. Okay. You know, society says it's like, no, we're like, this is my value in, in ways. And thinking about folks in, in marginalized bodies of that, of how our society targets folks. And like, I'll just put it plainly, like if you're anything but thin and white and cis and able-bodied, then you need to 
do something about it or you need to make up for it. And all the ways that we feel so less than and othered, just like, and somehow we're taking up space in society when we're these incompetent or um, <laughs> right. people that like, well, then, then our, our, our thinness will somehow make up for it. And it's like, we started off, one of my favorite activists, Sonia Renee Taylor, she talks about like, we started this planet as love. So we came into this world precious and perfect. Where did that go awry? Because we couldn't be anything but precious and perfect when we arrived on this planet. That is our truth. And somehow we got caught up. Where did that society and that devaluing because it really works like diet culture is a trillion dollar industry it works it comes in on you are worthless and we then plunk down money on gimmicks and programs that don't work that's right and no matter what happens we're out of a job we should lose weight we are stressed out about the job that we do have we should lose weight it will always be about that you need to change this thing about you. And it's usually around the body that we go. You know, the body is politics, is if you will. It's a very strange phenomenon, really. I brought out this book, one of the, the works is book. I brought out Audre Lorde, ah, if you will, Sister yeah. Outsider. And she has this whole chapter on the transformation of silence. Because that's our truth. When we're silent, we're not speaking our truth. And we are then, I'm not thin enough. I'm not white enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not rich. I mean, all the I'm not enough. And because that's society silencing us, that's society stripping our truth away. And and she, I, I, I love this, this, this paragraph that, that, that she writes. She goes, you know, um, about stepping into your truth. Because she, she talks off saying, and of course I'm afraid. Because the transformation of silence into language and action is an act of self-revelation. And that is always fraught with danger. But my daughter, when I told her of our topic and my difficulty with it, said, tell them about how you're never really a whole person if you remain silent, because there's always that one little piece inside of you that wants to be spoken out. And if you keep ignoring it, it gets madder and madder and hotter and hotter. And if you don't speak it out one day, it will just up and punch you in the mouth from the inside. <laughs> in the cause of silence, each of us draws the face of her own fear, fear of contempt, of censure, of some judgment, of recognition, of challenge, of annihilation. It's just like, wow. Audrey Lord, I have <laughs> tells it like it is. Yes. And each chapter I this is not a page turner. <laughs> yeah. This is a, a big meal that you have to like chew right. every bite. Exactly. Card in the pen. It, I love this idea about, or that, what did she say? Punch you out of your mouth? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Punch through your mouth. Wow. Right. Like if you cannot live a life where you are not honoring your truth. And society may not value that. Being like, oh, wow, you spoke your truth. That's so great. But there are going to be folks that are going to say thank you because you gave me permission against a society that is entrenched in diet culture, which is 
white supremacy and division and fear and scarcity and deprivation. Yeah, exactly. Deprivation. You're taking more than you should have. So how are you seeing this kind of show up in your work that you're doing, especially right now in this time of the virus? <laughs> you know, That's a great question. Uh, on one end, people feel very disconnected, all my folks, and and that's really hard for them. And somehow this disconnection is enhanced on so many levels. And so feeling that, like there was already a disconnection with an eating disorder, and now it's just so physically there. So it's, it's more enhanced. With some folks, they had to really sit with themselves. And we are having conversations we've never had before. So that part has been kind of mind-blowing for for me. On another level, I'm going to preface this by saying I always believe in in boundaries and our role as healers and that we are here for our clients. And yet this is the first time I've allowed folks to check in with me. I've never done that. And we've been like, wow, this is hard, isn't it? I'm like, yeah, this is hard. And in the past, hearing like, you don't say that. And I'm like, no, you, true. And, and there are ways that you maintain boundaries. And we're also in a degree of uncertainty and in a world we haven't been before in. And to admit to be human right now and struggling with all this uncertainty, I think, is showing the folks that I work with that like, yeah, this is hard. We need to rely on each other. We need to depend on each other. So there's certainly a lot of that. I work with a lot of people of color and trans and non-binary folks and feeling just the starkness of the world from all the recent and ongoing senseless killings of Black folks in our community. It's so ongoing. And me, I am a person of color and I have a lot of privilege, particularly just even looking at me with my light skin privilege. So there are things I just don't understand and that I've been shielded from. And so all the uh, recent killings in our Black communities and really seeing how much anti-Blackness we have in our society how much we have not made space to amplify Black wisdom in our society. It is so in our face. So a lot of the folks that I work with have been talking about just how they have been feeling, um, how this is really rising, talking about like feeling the the, uh, protest and the divide. One of my folks, they were going to take a camping trip and they were going to drive up North California and they're a dark-skinned person. And they talked about that, you know, I'm more fearful that they were going backpacking there. And they're like, you know, I'm not exactly fearful of going backpacking and being attacked by a mountain bear, but I'm more fearful of driving into some remote town and going to a gas station and having some person attack me. I'm more fearful of a person than a wild animal. Like I was like, 
let's just really make a note of this session here right that now. We're and, even and, talking and, and what about you're saying. this. Yeah. Yes. Like you're more afraid of the human bear than the bear bear. And the only thing that I could even think about that with is that how I feel as a woman in the culture, I feel a lot different going down a, say, a dark street to my car late at night than I think a man feels. And then somebody who is a darker color going down that same street would feel more fear than I felt just as a woman. Sure. Does it, does that make sense? I mean, it's like our yeah. levels. And at any time, any of us could really get hurt really badly. It ups the ante as we get more to what society doesn't like, doesn't want to deal with. So even if you're a man walking down that street, but you're in a different color skin than everybody else, then you have more fear about that. And you're right to have fear because bad things happen. You could be holding your keys and people say that's a gun and so they shoot you a bunch. I'm not really scared about that as a white woman, but I am scared about getting raped or attacked just because I'm a woman, but not because I'm holding keys and people with guns are going to shoot me in the back about that. You know, so I think these are really good questions and good comments and good conversations that we're needing to have as a culture. And then there's a backlash right now coming over saying, no, you can't have these conversations because it's not even true. We're not believing you. Mm. <laughs> you know, all lives matter <laughs> or whatever their answer is that about that. Instead of let's open this up and see, wow, our brothers and sisters of all races and all sexes and all whatever, they're, everybody's having a kind of an issue right now because things are not okay and haven't been. And it's coming out now. So, wow. So what do we do about this? How do we get us to our truth of our own internal wisdom? How do we let each other have that truth and not take it away because it scares us? Right. It scares us. We live like the deprivation and, and scarcity mentality. Like there's only so much truth to go around. Like, no, <laughs> no, you know, right. like. It's a diet are, of truth. Uh, yeah. One of my martial arts instructors gave me a quote and it was, and it's a quote around coming alive. And it says, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive, Howard Thurman. And she was saying that actually Dr. Martin Luther King was inspired by this quote as well, or this person's work. And it says, like, that's your truth. You don't need to feel like you're taking something away. You don't need to feel like because you're pursuing your truth, that means someone else doesn't. It's like, no, it just means, um, and now I'm like combining Howard and Audrey together <laughs> of like, <laughs> like, yeah, move your silence into coming alive. And that's what the world needs. And when you do that, it's going to help other folks because it's energy. Can you imagine coming alive? Coming alive, like in the sense of, 
coming alive, the farmer like plants his stock because the farmer can plant his stock and have food. That means the folks are nourished and that means they can knit. That means they can weld and, and, and make other things. They're doing that. That means people can travel. And when they're doing that, that means the folks, the healers can, can get around. When they're doing that, I mean, that means like the world fits for folks. And then when that happens, then we have a cycle and then we come back and then we take care of the earth again so that way we can live in that kind of harmony because people are alive. Yes. It reminds me of one of my first therapists when I was starting to work on my eating disorder and the back end of my alcoholism and drug addiction and codependency and all these things that were also all smushed all together, who said, you know, if it's good for you, then it's good for your family, then it's good for your town, then it's good for your city, then it's good for your country, and then it's good for the world. You know, the truth is the truth. And look at it that way, that it's going to ripple out from you. Goodness will ripple out from you. And we're all going to have struggle and stuff like that. But really check in with yourself. Is this a good way to think? Is this a good way to be? Is this a good way to to kind of hang out in the world? Does it help everyone, including myself, to be like this or think like this? Yeah, it's beautiful. So if you think about yourself as a little girl growing up in however household you had, and thinking about the idea of truth and learning how to be with your own internal wisdom, as if we, as little kids, could kind of get our heads wrapped around that. But I feel like little kids just know that anyways, until it's taken away. (laughs) But what would you have liked to have somebody say to you to kind of help you through that adolescent and then young adulthood until you are actually at this place in your life where you sort of have a lot of groundingness inside of yourself. And it's okay for you to explore all these other big questions because you're okay with yourself is the basic thing I get from you. So what would you say to that little Marcella as she's sitting on her bed going... (laughs) what the hell's going to happen to me, (laughs) you know, or I don't know if you thought like that, but I certainly was always thinking, hmm, I'm going to get through this. What now? One thing is like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Another thing is, tell me what you're feeling because that counts and that, that matters. Can you share with me? Okay. I'm having trouble understanding. Can you share with me? Is it sadness? Is it anger? Is it all of the above? Tell me what didn't feel okay. Tell me what what feels okay. So it would be asking that little girl a lot of questions around being able to name and hold her feelings. I I think many times we come in like with a little girl, like or with little children, like, what are you feeling? And they're like, I don't know. And then I don't know. (laughs) So sometimes I think it helps to say, are you sad? Are you happy? Uh Are you angry? Are you hurt? Is it all of the above? 
okay, is it is it this? And so I, I think many times to ask yes or no questions to guide the little folks in our lives because we want them to start to use words to describe their feelings, but that's a tall order. And when you ask us, like, tell me what you're feeling, they're just like, and they, right. they, they get even more emotional. And you're like, oh, because it's a language to, you know, yes. we're, we're trying to teach them language. So, so by asking those questions and going through a whole stream, it's like, I'm helping you put words to your feelings. So that's what I would say of like, if I were to talk to my younger self, I would just ask so many questions about feelings. I'm like, <laughs> is it this? Is it that? Is yeah. it red or is it blue? If you could put a color to it, is it blue? Is it red? Should we get out some Crayola crayons? Tell me. Describe. You know, before we get into, what are you feeling? I'm like, let's just go through a whole bunch of questions. Right. And I think we can use that not only to help the little ones in our own lives, maybe, but also the little ones inside of ourselves. Like when I am full of feelings, but I don't know what they are, those are really good things to ask myself, you know, like, well, is it sadness? Can we get out some crayons? Can we just kind of, you know, you don't have to figure this out right now, but there's a big feeling here. So sometimes I just have to give it to myself that there's a big feeling and I don't know where it came from and I don't know what it is, but just acknowledge that there's a feeling. It's a good thing. So is there anything else that you would like to say about your work or what you're doing right now or what you're thinking about or working on right now? Doing work around social justice and eating disorders and trying to work with folks of how to make our treatment and our field more accessible to particularly to our, our marginalized communities, how to bring in folks as healers, clinicians into this field so that way we can expand our perspectives. Um, I mean, eating disorders and food, I mean, this is as two-dimensional as it gets. It's so nuanced. So it's like we need more perspectives to really be able to, to hold what healing looks like. And so I'm, I'm very passionate around bringing in much more diverse perspectives in this field. I am working on a book with Gloria Lucas of Nalgona Positivity Pride on BIPOC folks with eating disorders. And so we're collecting stories and, and it's been a work in progress with this. I've been providing trainings for mental health clinics on eating disorders and social justice. And so I was looking to do more of that and, and to connect more. It's such a way to connect and, and build community. And I, I'm, I'm going to look to start consult groups probably, you know, at the end of this year. Yeah. Wow, that is so great. Well, please keep me posted on that. And maybe when you have those groups, we'll have you back on to talk about them and what's going on with them. And so would you read the Just for Today card? Today, I will practice listening to my own internal wisdom. When I start to become fearful, confused, insecure, self-critical, or find myself doing something I don't want to do, I will take a breath and ask myself, what is my truth? Ah, if we could oh, just wow. remember that. 
Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Every minute of the day. Wait, what is my truth? Yeah. That's a great little way to end this. So I really do appreciate so much you coming on the show today. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very, very much. And uh, have a great weekend. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.